is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you we all could have seen this coming. Welcome in. We are live here for a Thursday show, a road show once again for me down at Fort Stewart. Got some military training to do uh, for the next two days. But of course, I'm just taking my time out to spend some time with you guys here on A to Z. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, Matt Markzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. A lot to get into today. In fact, one way the Falcons can drastically improve, and it seems to be Arthur Smith's forte, We'll get to that, plus the huge series with the Braves and the Mets starting coming up later on this evening's five games, four days uh, that could change the fortunes of the NL East going forward. So we'll get ready for that. Uh, first segment of the show brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. And I want to start with the news that came down late yesterday afternoon in the NFL that the league is now going to appeal the six-game suspension handed down by Judge Susan Robinson for Deshaun Watson. Now, uh, there's a lot here at play, and there are a lot of sort of things that can be left unsettled here going forward. You know, the reaction to the NFL um, and their suspension was not good. Uh, and we talked about it when it happened, and I've said repeatedly that the NFL doesn't care about optics, and they don't. It's it's not their thing. They don't care, and that's fine. But... Um, the fans do care about optics. The fans have some problems with a year suspension for Cal Calvin Ridley for gambling. The fans do have a problem with a 12-game suspension for targeting. The fans do have a problem with, you know, six games for PED use uh, and six games for Deshaun Watson. The, the fans have a problem with that, and they're not happy, and they're not uh, settled with this level of suspension given the depth – of the alleged crimes that Deshaun Watson committed. Now, again, uh, NFL loyalists, not me, thank you, Stephen Godfrey, wherever you are, but NFL loyalists will tell you simply that he wasn't charged with a crime, so how could they punish him to a certain extent when there were no charges to back up? Obviously, if the legal system and the DA didn't see it that he committed a crime, why should the NFL levy a punishment that is consistent with not committing a crime. And I suppose that's a fair argument if you'd like to make it. I just think it doesn't hold water given the nature of the allegations and given the, the size and the number of the allegations. But as I've said repeatedly, the number shouldn't be what the issue is because one of these allegations is too many. When you get to two, especially given the nature of what Sean Watson was doing, i.e. booking appointments for massages and then getting something else out of it, once you got to two, there was intentional. You know, there was intent to do these things. It wasn't by accident. So the NFL now is going to go back, and the process is, for those who don't know, is that because it was the ruling was made by an independent third party picked by both sides, Judge Susan Robinson, now the appeal goes to Roger Goodell, or he could appoint his designee to handle the appeal. Now this seems a little weird because, simply put, um, the NFL is appealing the suspension to the NFL, to the commissioner who runs the NFL, which is where the appeal is coming from, to the NFL, right? Like, 
Uh, it just seems like they're going to pick a suspension that they want, and that's the end of it. And by the way, after this appeal, this is uh, in writing, it's binding, and it's done. But the other tricky part of this, okay, is that the NFLPA has a response in their back pocket. I'll tell you that here in just a minute. First, a word for my friends at Built Bar. You guys have heard me talk about them. Why? Because they make the healthiest, the tastiest chocolate bars out there. Have you ever tried their coconut brownie chunk bar? Well, it's amazing. But what they've done is they've given that coconut brownie chunk bar the puffs treatment. That's right, the puffs. Remember I told you about those? The uh, the, the protein-infused puffy marshmallow that is delicious and light and flavory? Well, coconut brownie chunk bar, the flavor you love, is now built in deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, fluffy like a, cl- a cloud, and full of tasty coconut brownie goodness. They're good for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, all delicious. And all Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eating something that tastes good and is good for you. I love the Built Bars, especially for a post-dinner snack or eat like a late-night snack where I don't want something too heavy, but I'm still feeling like I'm really hungry. Built Bars are perfect for that. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 at built.com and get some of that coconut brownie chocolatey goodness. All right. The NFL now has a uh, a sort of spade in the hole in their back pocket. Um, they can go and sue. I'm sorry, the NFLPA rather. The NFLPA can go and sue the NFL and keep this thing tied up in court. And that's probably what's going to happen. Um, and I'm not into the legalese of why or how or what all this is going to mean and how it's going to get done. But the bottom line simply is this, is that as long as this thing is in court, Deshaun Watson can play. Um, and yes, I think there's a certain sense of expediency when it comes to something with the NFL doing it and going, going to court that sort of bumps itself to the front of the line. Um, but, you know, Deshaun Watson being on a field while this is, you know, in some injunctive state uh, in the legal system probably seems more infuriating than anything else to many people who thought he should have served a longer suspension. That he could theoretically be out there game one. You know, and this process that the NFL has created um, seems a little bit lunky on the surface. Again, as I mentioned, the NFL can appeal a suspension if they don't think it was strong enough uh, to itself. And they want the NFL wants a year. Um, And what, what I think is they'll probably settle on 12 games or 10 games, somewhere in that range. Uh, but I think the NFL will also impose a much, much heftier fine more than anything, right? Like the way the Cleveland Browns structured the uh, contract for Deshaun Watson, from what reports say, has irked the NFL because this year they're paying him basically less than a million dollars in salary. Uh, and that's the only thing the league can touch as far as fines are concerned. Can't take your bonus money. Can't take your roster bonuses, can't take your signing bonuses, all that stuff that's guaranteed, they can't touch it. It's got to come in the form of salary money. And so because the league did that, if they suspend him for eight games, he's only losing a minimal amount of salary um, this year because he's not making that much. And so that is something that the NFL has focused on and said, yeah, uh, you guys were kind of shrewd with this and we're pissed off about it. 
So now, at least reports are saying that the NFL wants an $8 million fine. $8 million. Um, which is, out of 230, not all, you know, it's like a, what? Eight times four is 24. It's a quarter of his, you know, well, I'm sorry, 4%. Or, 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 or not a quarter, because it's 230 million. <laughs> Math escaped me there for a moment. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, not a large portion of his $230 million contract. That said, you know, it's like 2.5% of it if you want to do the math. But anyway, so uh, it, it's not a, a large number, but it's bigger than what the NFL had initially, uh, or, or the punishment obviously initially put out there. The math escaped me, guys. I'm sorry, it tripped me up. So that's the process of the whole thing here for the NFL. Uh, that's the process of, you know, where this is going to go, how it's going to work out, the timeline, and when it's going to shake out. Hard to say at this point in time. I'm sure over the next couple of days we will hear that uh, and if the NFLPA is actually going to sue. All right, coming up next, uh, the Falcons have one statistical category that they lack in that only Arthur Smith has proven he can make better. That's next right here on ADZ on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Check out all the shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is A to Z. You have Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis, and Tanisha Batiste, of course, our Braves postcast, uh, and Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks, an entire great lineup here. We're so supportive and so thankful you guys are supportive of this network, over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we certainly appreciate all the love. So keep it up, tell a friend, and uh, let us let everybody know we can find some of the best Atlanta sports content right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Coming up, we'll get into the Braves' big series uh, and how one outlet described the Braves' trade deadline. Uh, we'll do that coming up here uh, in a little less than 10 minutes. But uh, I needed to address something that I saw in some Falcons reporting and then did some research on and I'm wondering how this is actually going to play out this year. Uh, and it's a stat that Arthur Smith has been pretty good in, in his career. So Josh Kendall of The Athletic um, had mentioned this, as well as uh, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter, the AJC. Sorry, Hampstead fell off the wheel there. Um, but they talked about big plays, right? Big passing plays. Um, and... All Josh Candle of the Athletic wrote says Falcons are 22nd in the NFL that season in pass plays of 20 yards or more. Smith would like to improve on that, but it's not happening yet in training camp. Quote, the quarterbacks are throwing the ball pretty well. We've got to hit some of our, these deep plays. That would be one critique, he said. Um, D-Led said uh, Smith has been pleased with the quarterbacks, but wants to connect on more deep passing. Um, talking about Kyle Pitts, quote, he's made a ton of plays. One critique. I have in the quarterbacks and throwing the ball decent. Putting the ball downfield, we have to make some of those plays. Some of them have been covered. Cornerback uh, A.J. Terrell made a play on one. So I decided to do some research here on the concept of big plays uh, and the concept of, you know, where they sort of fit in. And I, and I found the numbers a little bit enlightening and interesting. Uh, let's start with Atlanta, um, just so you have a frame of reference here. So last year, Atlanta still had Matt Ryan in the offense, right? Um, and granted, you know, they didn't have much of anything else. But 
as you mentioned, according to Warren Sharp, who's one of the best football analysts out there, um, the Atlanta Falcons are 25th in explosive play rate. All right. They were 25th in explosive pass rate and 20th in explosive run rate. Now, you may be saying, no, wait a minute. Why explosive 20, 20th run rate? You know, they didn't have a running game. Well, they had Cordero Patterson. And by the definition of an explosive run rate, a lot of his runs met the, the criteria for it. So that's why they were there. Um, and, and even though <laughs> it's really crazy because, like, you know, their explosive some rate some run plays netted 393 yards, um, and they had 42 explosive rushes. Another team, you know, that's in the same range as them. When you look at the number, like Fort New Orleans had 45, yet it netted 510 yards. So um, make it that what you will. But that's where the Falcons were. Now, coincidentally, Tennessee last year, who lost Arthur Smith, okay, was 24th in overall explosive play rate. That's just one position ahead of the Falcons. They were 29th in pass rate and 18th in run rate. Why were they so low in run rate with Derrick Henry? Because, well, they only played nine games last year. So everything went downhill. They had no explosive running after Derrick Henry got hurt. And, oh, by the way, despite the fact that they did have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones with no running game last year, Ryan Tannehill was ineffective in explosive pass play rate. That explains that. So that's where they were in 2021. Let's go back to 2020 and 2019, the two years that Arthur Smith was the OC in Tennessee to see how good he really was. But first, a word from my friends at Coffee AM. You've heard me tell you about them every single day. Why? Because that's how I start my morning. Cup of Coffee AM. Really, really simple. This is the, the best small batch roaster in America, and it's right here in Atlanta. Um, these are the people who send coffee to your home, and when you get that box and open it up, smell just hits you right in the face and it is so good their coffees are so fresh why because most of their coffees are roasted and shipped the exact same day or close to it and they only roast specialty grade current crop coffees from around the world mind you all over the place organic trade fair trade direct trade expertly crafted blends espressos uh, coffees flavored coffees gourmet teas and a whole lot more go to coffeeam.com slash backslash rather locked on today to take a full look at their menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on and use coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. And it's right here in your backyard. All right. So now let's take a look at um, Arthur Smith in 2020. Uh, 2020, yes, 2020 rather, because 2021, obviously, he was with Atlanta. And and this is indicative of how good he is in this particular area. Uh, and we're going to Tennessee. And just for a reference, with Matt Ryan uh, in 2020, despite the fact that things were bad and Dan Quinn was failing, the Falcons were 23rd in explosive play rate. They were 12th in explosive pass rate, and they were dead last in the league in an explosive run rate, which makes a ton of sense. Tennessee, however, was ninth in the league in explosive play rate. They were 10th in explosive run rate and 14th in explosive pass rate. And oh, by the way, that year, uh, A.J. Brown was also injured for a hot minute in 2020. Go back to 2019. 
That was the year where the Titans made the run to the AFC Championship game. Um, and oh, by the way, the Falcons are 29th in explosive play rate in, in 2019, 29th in explosive pass rate, and 25th in explosive run rate. The Tennessee Titans, third in explosive play rate, second in explosive pass rate, and fourth in explosive run rate. This is something that Arthur Smith excels at. Now, granted, he had better talent in Tennessee than he does here in Atlanta. And granted, he had um, a, a better team overall. But, you know, this is what he does well. And if they can start to make this a thing, if they can get out of the cellar and start to make explosive plays happen, um, it can change the dynamics of this offense, particularly the running game for them. Um, because here's likely what's going to happen, or at least the mentality going into the season, is that I can drop five back in coverage and leave seven up front because the Falcons can't block very well, we'll be able to minimize the run. And if we do that and get them in second and eight and third and six or third and seven, well, guess what? We know how to defend these guys. And even though there's Kyle Pitts out there, and even though there's Drake London, we can double team those guys and still be effective in coverage overall. And that's how we beat the Falcons defensively. But once you start hitting on some big plays, once you start changing and, strength and, and lengthening the field, guess what? The offense becomes a whole lot more difficult to manage and holes open up up front. And runs are there. And then play action is there. I mean, this is a critical part of winning in today's NFL. You've got to be able to get the ball down the field and do it quickly. So let's continue to watch this and monitor it and see where it goes with Arthur Smith. Because it's something that I will continually look for. When I get back out to camp, I'm going to continue to ask him about how he built that. And if he can build it with different talent here in Atlanta, or is, is it just as scheme-based as anything else? So let's see where they go this year, but keep that in the back of your mind about explosive play rate with the Falcons. Speaking of explosive, uh, Mets, Braves, five games, four days for a lot of the Marvels, not all of them. We'll do that next right here on A to Z. Locked on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday. And it starts tonight. The Braves, the Mets, five games, four days. Giddy up. Before we get to that, let's hand out a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it. Okay? We love to whack somebody right upside the head. And uh, it's not going to stick the thing or doing something stupid. And today my shovel goes to Brad Doolittle. You guys know Brad Doolittle? Yeah, Bradford Doolittle. He's a staff writer for ESPN. Covering Major League Baseball. And uh, he wrote up the best teams in order of how they did it. And he has at the top of this thing, obviously, the San Diego Padres, right? Um, then after the Padres, he's got the Yankees, which I don't know if they're the second best team, but nonetheless, the Astros third, the Mets fourth, the Atlanta Braves fifth. And the headline he says is, hey, it worked last year. 
And it is the write-up, and I want to read this to you, because this is uh, one of these things where just like, I don't know if it's not true to you or what. This last season, it felt like Greg's GM, Alex Anthopoulos, had lost control of himself as he acquired one outfield there after another when it felt like a pointless quest to fill the gigantic shoes of injured star Ronald Acuna Jr. Then, of course, some of those outfielders were instrumental in helping the Braves in the World Series. This time around, the Braves didn't have as big a hole to fill, but they did recently lose Adam Duvall for the season and still don't know when they might get Ozzie Albies back in the lineup. Rex Gross, Rex Gross, dear Lord, Freudian slip. Robbie Grossman is usually a good complimentary outfielder, but he's having a tough season. Maybe the change in the scenery will help, but he's also a 32-year-old journeyman. Meanwhile, Anthopoulos remade the dynamic of his bullpen on the fly, sending off Will Smith, bringing in Jake Odorizzi for the back of his rotation, possible just as a luxury addition, and swapping a real prospect in Tucker Davidson for closer Rossiel Iglesias, who's been wildly inconsistent this season. And by the way, Atlanta already has Kenzie Jansen. Anthopolis has earned the benefit of the doubt after last season, but this feels off. Bottom line, fingers crossed. Okay. Uh, I would argue with Brad that Anthopolis has earned the benefit of the doubt well before last season. Last season was the only year that it, it actually paid off in a World Series. But Alex Anthopolis has made deal after deal after deal after deal, both here, Los Angeles, and Toronto that have benefited those franchises greatly. So the idea that he's only earned the benefit of the doubt last year is because he won the World Series. But yet, the weird part is, is that you say he's earned the benefit of the doubt, but then you tell tell him just fingers crossed? I don't get it. Alex Anthopoulos has done more than earned the benefit of the doubt. He's one of the most aggressive, shrewd GMs in all of Major League Baseball. And, uh, there is literally no reason to think that the moves that he's made will flop. Now, will they be grand successes? That may not, you know, we don't know that yet. But will they flop? I think that's a, a different conversation. Okay. Mets and Braves. Uh, I know, by the way, Charlie Morton was fantastic yesterday. And I have to say that because I was giving, it, giving the business to some of my friends. Uh, and, and I'm not going to lie. I know you hate me for this, but secretly I was hoping Charlie Morton would have a bad start because – Increase my case of Spencer Strider. Although my case of Spencer Strider being in the starting rotation in the playoffs is already pretty well set. I don't need any help with that. So uh, there's that. But it was good to see Morton provide a good quality start uh, for the team when they needed it. Despite the fact the Braves didn't win the game, um, still, it was one of those things where the more that he's on track, the better off you're going to be. Okay. We now have three and a half games separating the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. If either team wins three out of five, it's only a one-game swing, right? It's just like taking two out of three. Nothing really changes. However, winning four out of five would obviously dynamically change the picture of this thing because if the Mets win four out of five, they're now up six and a half games as we hit the second week of August. If the Braves win four out of five, they're only a half game out as we hit the second week of August. And you're going to see every Brave starter in this thing. You might even see Odorizzi, to be honest with you, because tonight it is Kyle Wright and Carlos Carrasco, and then scheduled for Friday is Ian Anderson and Taiwan Walker. I can't believe Ian Anderson is actually still getting a start. Um, But he has been better on the road this year than at home. All that said, uh, you're going to get the rest of it, because after that it should be Max Fried, then it should be Spencer Strider, and then it should be Charlie Morton. But given the fact that Saturday is the doubleheader, 
Um, you may see Odorizzi in one of those spots, and they may push back somebody else. And I don't know if Strider would be the guy they push back just to give him some extra rest. I, I, Alex Anthopoulos said on the radio yesterday, there is no innings limit. They don't do it. They don't believe it. Those words aren't spoken in the Braves organization. But that doesn't mean they can't push a guy's start back a couple of days, right? Like, that's absolutely possible. So, um, Odorizzi may fill in on Saturday. Well, he's likely going to have to because it would be Strider's normal turn in the rotation. Uh, Morton would be bumped up a day. So, it, it could be Strider and Odorizzi on Saturday. Uh, I'm trying to go through it again in my head. What do we say? Uh, Saturday would be Max Freed. It might be Max Freed and Ozerizzi, and then Strider on Sunday, rather, and Morton takes his normal turn on Monday. Because if he just went yesterday, his normal turn would be Monday. So that's that's probably how that's going to work out um, in the rotation, at least the way it's planned to have worked out. Um, by you doing the math and everything else, and I'm just checking one more thing here to double-check to make sure that I got this right. Um, and they, yeah, they do have uh, Freed and Odorizzi going on Saturday and Strider on Sunday. So I was right. Also, you're going to see the Mets don't have a, a, a second starter put together for uh, the back half of the doubleheader, but you will see Scherzer and DeGrom back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday. And that's something that's really, really telling. Um, you know, the Braves are going to hit this stretch here over the course of the next – Call it 18 days. <clears throat> Excuse me. Five against the Mets. A quick reprieve. Two against Boston. Two against Miami. By the way, all these uh, uh, 11 games are on the road. And then they come back to Truist. Four more against the Mets. Three against the Astros. I told you about that seven-game series. That's your playoffs right there. To me, that whole week, Monday, August 15th, through Sunday, August 21st, is playoff week. It's, it, it's a seven-game series. Go get me four of those seven, and I'll be happy. I think that's that's the measure. But this series is going to be huge. Let's see who steps up. Let's see who performs well. Um, let's see how this all shakes out. But, you know, the, the, the Braves' make or break on the NL East is probably over the next 18 days. And, and we're going to monitor it. That's really what it boils down to. And it starts with the five in New York. All right, that'll do it for us today here on A to Z. A lot to get to tomorrow. Again, we'll have a recap of game one of the series and wrap things up here on a Friday. Appreciate you guys spending your Thursday with us, making A to Z your first listen. Make your next listen hitting hard with John Chuckery right here on Locked On Sports Line. You guys have a great day. Don't take the crap from anybody. See you.